Welcome to The Mighty Podcast, where we infuse the health space with positivity, humor, and vulnerability. The Mighty is a safe and supportive community here to help you find the people and information you need to navigate your health journey. We're so excited to spend some time together today. This podcast episode is sponsored by Otska America Pharmaceutical Inc. Our guests this week have been compensated by Otska America Pharmaceutical Inc. for their participation in this podcast episode. Now, let's get into what the health we are talking about today. Today, we are talking about the impact the provider-patient relationship may have when exploring treatment options for major depressive disorder, also known as MDD. We'll also be discussing the potential impact of the provider-patient relationship on the feasibility of a digital tool. On today's episode, we're joined by Carlos and Dr. Craig Chepke. Carlos lives with major depressive disorder and participates in a patient ambassador program for Otska America Pharmaceutical Inc. This program is made up of people dedicated to sharing their stories about living with serious mental illnesses. Dr. Craig Chepke is a medical director and psychiatrist at Excel Psychiatric Associates, as well as Carlos' personal doctor. He is a paid consultant of Otska America Pharmaceutical Inc. So welcome to you both. Carlos, can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Hello, and thank you. I'm happy to be here. My name is Carlos. I'm 45 years old, and I have a dog named Winter. I work in risk management. I like to bake and always looking for neighbors and friends to sample my baked goods. I live with MDD, and I've been seeing Dr. Chucky at his practice in North Carolina for about five years. Thank you, Carlos. And if I could, I'd happily take some of those baked goods off your hands. Um, Dr. Chepke, can you share a little bit more about yourself as well? Hey, my name is Craig Chepke. I'm a psychiatrist and the medical director at a private practice in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. I run the practice with my wife, who's a social worker, as well as an integrative health and wellness coach. My mom works as my secretary, so it's a true family business. I approach my practice with the goal of helping the people who are disadvantaged, the people who may not have seen progress with other providers, as well as those who are struggling and not feeling like they're able to get well. Those are the people that I want to see and try and help. Dr. Chepke, thank you for sharing. How wonderful it is to be able to work alongside family. I am excited to learn more about your approach to care, which we'll dive into a little later. But before we do that, I'd love for us to answer a fun question to get us warmed up for deeper conversation. I'll share my answer first so you both have a moment to think it through. The question is, if you could learn a new skill instantly, what would it be? Personally, I'd really love to learn digital 3D animation. I took a few animation courses in college where I learned how to create stop motion animation, rotoscoping, and a few other 2D formats, but 3D animation is a skill I've never truly had experience with. I know it'll take so much work to get where I want to go, so if I could just learn it instantly, that would just save me so much time. I'm going to pass the question to Carlos. What skill would you want to learn? I think I would want to learn how to be a home organizer. I spend so much time at home, and I can only imagine being able to look at a room and organize it quickly. I've seen organizers who come into your home and completely transform your space in about eight hours. There's such an art in finding organization. If you're like me and work from home three days a week, there's a need to help keep things neat. (laughs) Yeah, yes, I can imagine how much time that would save you on any given day. Uh, What would be the first thing you'd do after gaining your new organizational skills? I would organize my kitchen as I spend a lot of time there, whether it's eating or cooking. My analytical mind is always assessing the root cause of why my kitchen is always untidy, and it comes to it being disorganized. I would also organize my cabinet, 
which houses the many tumblers I've collected at different events. I am glad to hear the lack of storage for never-ending tumblers is a universal problem. Is there a type of home organization that excites you the most? I would love to live in a world where I can find things and put my hands on them immediately. Have an instant inventory of the things I own. This is most relevant with my closet, shoes, shirts, pants, and so on. Because it becomes disorganized, I find myself afraid of it. So I shut the door and pretend it doesn't exist until the next time I need to get dressed, which is every day. Having an organized closet is something I dream of since I would be able to mentally place where different articles of clothing are. It makes it easier to know what you already have and what you don't need. I completely agree. And when I'm overwhelmed, I'll clean spaces like that, and it can definitely do wonders for my mental health. It also allows me to rediscover things that I have forgotten about. Uh, Dr. Chepke, what about you? What skill would you like to learn instantly? This is a great question. I would love to learn how to play guitar like Jimmy Page. I was first introduced to the music Led Zeppelin when I was a freshman in high school. I was in the school chorus, and that year the seniors performed Stairway to Heaven by Zeppelin. And that led me into listening to their entire catalog, watching videos of Jimmy Page, playing a Gibson Les Paul guitar. It was just a really seminal moment for me. What a great one. Uh, what genres of music would you want to learn? Ooh, a lot. I mean, I'd say probably genre-wise, hard rock or heavy metal. Zeppelin, of course. Just that dark, sludgy sound of heavy metal. And also faster metal just really gets my blood pumping and makes my brain move really fast. So you just get a song that goes about 100, 110 beats a minute. It just seems to match the frequency in my brain, and it's a beautiful harmonization. Yeah, when you find that beat that's just right, it's so easy to get lost in it in a good way. Was there a moment early on in your life when you realized how much music impacted you? Well, it's a very different type of music than what I just described, but one I still appreciate today, and it's classical music. It made a really big impact on me. There's a radio station in town, Classical 89.9 WDAV, Davidson College. That was the classical station in my hometown. It's all I listened to for a couple of years, mostly in middle school. In high school, then I got into Broadway musicals through the chorus. There was a medley of Les Mis that really lit my fire, and I absolutely fell in love with Broadway. Actually, one of the main reasons I went to NYU Medical School is because they have a phenomenal student ticket office. I could sit in the front two rows of the orchestra for like $10 a ticket. Throughout the four years of medical school, I must have seen at least 50 Broadway and off-Broadway shows. I love the musical depth across classical to Broadway to rock and metal. So my last question, if you had to pick, what song would you want to be able to play on your Gibson Les Paul guitar? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'd say it have to either be Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson or Eruption by Van Halen. So fun. Thank you both for sharing. Now let's switch over to the topic at hand by starting with a little bit of background information for our audience. Dr. Chepke, in your opinion, how do you define major depressive disorder or MDD to your patients? Well, it's important to note that major depressive disorder is more than just the blues or feeling down or sad. It's really different than that. Sadness is just one of the nine different criteria that we use to diagnose MDD. And you have to meet five out of those nine for a diagnosis. And if you do a little math, that actually comes out to 227 different combinations of symptoms you can have to get the same diagnosis. So those criteria may include a very abnormal shift in your interest, your energy levels, cognitive abilities, ability to concentrate, and your overall motivation. It's more about your ability to think, be motivated, and your energy levels than it is about sadness. In my opinion, one of the important things about MDD is that it can really rob you of your hope. It's a really insidious thing, and that's one of the core features of the illness. Some patients may feel like nothing will ever improve and it almost puts blinders on them where they can only see a narrow little spectrum. For example, there can be something wonderful in the person's life that's right there, right in their reach. And if they just reached out, they could literally grab it. 
but they can't see it because of the depression. The hope is that with proper treatment, they can lower those blinders a little bit and see some of the good things in their lives. I honestly never would have guessed that that's how wide the spectrum of MDD experiences can truly be. Like, I know depression looks a little different for everyone, but that really compounds it. Carlos, I'd love to hear about your personal experience with major depressive disorder since you first noticed its impact on you. Initially, I experienced depression in college. And at that time, people were like, oh, you know, it's just something that you're going through right now. It's just a spell. You'll get over it. Pray about it. Stay strong. I got promoted to my dream job. It was everything I had hoped for and worked up to. But I wasn't performing. For me, that is how I knew my depression had reached a tipping point. In my role, I need to use my brain to develop and execute strategies. And when I was having issues with my mental wellness, it impacted my life in a big way. Depression can definitely be challenging in that way. I I know too well how much that can really scramble what's going on inside your head. How would you describe these symptoms you experience? The best way for me to describe what it's like living with major depressive disorder is that I've sometimes felt myself unable to stop focusing on the negative emotions and thoughts. It's like when you're washing dishes and you remove the drain out of the sink and the water goes down. There's this cyclone that you see. It's like I become somewhat focused on the things that are around me that I can't control. Things that are going on that happen no matter what. When you first sought professional support from your previous doctor, how did they approach your experience? My previous doctor encouraged me to go back to work and continue to do the best I could. And when it comes to my experience, doing my best was impossible. Like I said, instead of focusing on what I can control, I would focus on what I couldn't. My success was impeded by myself. When did you find out that what you were dealing with was major depressive disorder? My previous doctor had given me the diagnosis of MDD, but I didn't fully understand what it meant until I started working with Dr. Chepke. I wasn't able to describe it. He helped me understand. He really listened and included me in the conversation. Thank you for sharing your experience with us, Carlos. What was it like finding and connecting with Dr. Chepke? After 11 years of working together, my psychiatrist informed me he was retiring, which was devastating news. He gave me a list of individuals in the area that could possibly help me and told me to get on a calendar as soon as possible so that I could continue my care and not experience a break in my treatment. The concept of starting over with a new doctor was scary. I was worried about working with a new provider. I was also a little reluctant to check out those psychiatrists who were on the list. In hindsight, I think that having my previous psychiatrist retire pushed me to seek out what I needed to survive. In my opinion, we survive in a physical sense but we also have to survive mentally and emotionally. I think that he pushed me to seek that out for myself. I went and conducted all these interviews on my own. I read through doctor bios, finding out how many stars they were rated, and I came across this one profile that said patient-centered. And it was like the light turned on. I was like, that's what you need. You need someone who puts you in the center with everything else revolving around you. Someone to have that conversation about you because there's no one who knows you better than you know yourself. So I thought, Who's better to be in that conversation than me? So that's how I ended up with Dr. Chepke. I think it is so easy to talk about our care team, be it mental health professionals or doctors for our physical health as a concept, when in reality, you do need to find someone who aligns with your values, your goals, and perspectives. Since Dr. Chepke is here today, I think that speaks volumes to the work you did as a patient to ensure your care was what you wanted it to be. So now to you, Dr. Chepke, do you remember your first meeting with Carlos and what was it like? Yeah, of course I do. Uh, Like you said, Carlos, your psychiatrist handed you a letter and said, I'm retiring. Here's a list of names for you to call to get an appointment with somebody else. 
And my name's fortunately was one of the ones on that list. So it was about five years ago and he was really going through a rough time. He had a lot of things going on for him in his life. He had a good career and all these things that a lot of people with depression often talk about. They'll say, I shouldn't be depressed because X, Y, Z, I've got this, I've got that. But he was depressed and he'd been through several different medications already. It just wasn't working well for him. I met with him and did my own evaluation and I agreed that MDD was an accurate diagnosis. I explained, here's what I think the diagnosis is and here's what that means. And here's how that fits into the greater landscape. A lot of patients will say something like, no one ever explained that to me before. No one ever told me how this worked. So when working with Carlos, we started to try one or two things like changing his current regimen, and he's gotten to a good place over these past couple of years. I love that perspective, and I think it's one as patients we don't hear as often as we perhaps should. Carlos, what has it been like for you to work with Dr. Chepke these past few years? Under Dr. Chepke's care, I'm more accountable to the provider-patient relationship. When we were coming up with solutions, he asked me what I wanted out of it and said I needed to do my part in making sure I'm taking my medications, getting exercise, documenting when I'm not feeling well, as well as know what my triggers are or could possibly be. Or if I'm feeling well, what can I do more of to make sure that I continue to feel that way? I think this speaks so well to the supportive doctor-patient relationship we all strive for. Dr. Chepke, let's talk about your patient-centered approach to care. What does that look like in your practice? A lot of physicians and healthcare providers use a variety of guidelines. I think it's important to use guidelines in addition with all the information available for an individual patient. So my goal is just to get in the room with someone and listen. Since my wife is a social worker and social work is steeped in things like justice and equity, we bring that into our practice in terms of how we think about working with people. We put the person at the center and then build out an approach around them and what their needs are. In medical terminology, this would be described as shared decision-making. It's not just me telling them what to do. I present options and I make recommendations, but they bring their personal experience and expertise along with their preferences to the table, and then we come together and make a joint decision. I want to go through the pros and cons of each one, and I want to get their thoughts on what they think about each one and what questions they have. I respond to those and then let them take the wheel from there. They're in the driver's seat instead of just being along for the ride. Dr. Chepke, thank you for giving us some insight into your practice. Now I want to dig into treatment. Dr. Chepke, is there any important safety information you would like the audience to know? Yeah, thank you very much, Ashley. Today we'll be discussing Abilify MySight, Aripiprazole Tablets with Sensor. is a prescription medication of an Aripiprazole tablet with an ingestible event marker, or IEM, sensor inside of it used in adults for the treatment of schizophrenia, the treatment of bipolar 1 disorder alone or when used with the medicine lithium or valproate for acute short-term treatment of manic or mixed episodes or maintenance treatment and the treatment of major depressive disorder, or MDD, along with other antidepressant medicines. The Abilify MySight system is meant to track if you've taken your Abilify MySight. It is not known if Abilify MySight can improve how well you take your aripiprazole, patient compliance, or for changing your dose of aripiprazole. Abilify MySight may cause serious side effects, including increased risk of death in elderly patients with dementia-related psychosis. Medicines like Abilify MySight can raise the risk of death in elderly people who have lost touch with reality, psychosis, due to confusion and memory loss, dementia. Abilify MySight is not approved to treat patients with dementia-related psychosis. Increased risk of suicidal thoughts or actions in children and young adults. Antidepressant medicines may increase suicidal thoughts or actions in some children and young adults within the first few months of treatment and when the dose is changed. Pay close attention to any changes, especially new and sudden changes in mood, behaviors, thoughts, or feelings, and report them to the healthcare provider. It is not known if Abilify MySight is safe and effective for use in children. 
Please stay tuned for more important safety information after the episode. You can visit www.abilifymysite.com for full important safety information. Only functions related to tracking drug ingestion have been evaluated or approved by FDA. Carlos, what has your treatment experience been and how has it changed once you started working with Dr. Chepke? Before Dr. Chepke, I was on a variety of medications and I thought, what's wrong with me? When I started working with Dr. Chepke, he helped me understand what was going on with my depression and how medications may help. He helped me take a different approach that worked for me. Because he helped me to understand what I was going through, we talked about our goals for treatment. We talked about what I wanted from treatment. I think one part of being under Dr. Chepke's care is that I've had to become more accountable in the relationship. We were coming up with solutions and he was asking me what I wanted from them. So I needed to do my part throughout my treatment as well. It sounds like such a well-rounded patient-centered care that is respectful of and responsive to your preferences, needs, and values, and ensuring that your values guide all clinical decisions. Do you feel like you had a hand in making the decision to use the Abilify MySite system when Dr. Chepke introduced the idea of adding it to your antidepressant? Absolutely, yes. It was extremely important for me to be aware of treatments that were available and to be a partner in the decision-making process related to my overall treatment. I felt like Dr. Chepke was committed to partnering with me in that process. I remember he said using the system would help empower us with medication ingestion data and provide visibility into my activity level and how I have assessed my rest quality and moods. Dr. Chepke introduced me to the Abilify MySite system in one of our sessions. He said, hey, there's this treatment that I think will help you. It's a small pill that has a tiny sensor in it and it's digestible. When he said this tiny sensor, I was thinking to myself, you want me to take a digestible sensor that will register on my phone? He explained that I would wear a patch so I could monitor and measure things. I was all about that. I decided to give it a chance. I recorded my daily data, which helped Dr. Chepke and I have more productive conversations during our appointments. I feel like these conversations also helped us build trust within our relationship. If you give me something that monitors my activity, I can also track my progress what I've been doing, and how I've been feeling. I'm all for that. Using the mood tracker, I indicate my mood in the morning and then again in the evening, and it enables me to do some reflection at that point. I have a brain that wants to measure. I want to know what my starting point was and what my finishing point is, and then reconcile the two. That's how the Abilify MySight system came to be for me. Viewing data from the MySight app before talking with Dr. Chepke helps me to reflect on my different moods, rest quality, and medication regimen between appointments so we can discuss this information. I still take my meds and I'm consistent about it. I make sure it's a priority for me and it's something I made part of my daily routine. It sounds like when using the features of the Abilify MySite system, you are playing a little bit more of an active role in your own treatment. Dr. Chepke, can you tell us a little bit more about Abilify MySite and why you believed it was the right fit for Carlos? Sure. So first, I thought Aripiprazole, the medication, would be a good fit for his symptoms. He's also got the right diagnosis. I mean, he's the appropriate patient, as we'd like to say. But also, he's someone who's interested in his health and wellness, and those are some of the aspects of the MySight system. What makes it different from a typical medication is that the system can record things like the amount of rest, and patients are able to record the quality of their rest. Additionally, the system records objective data, like medication ingestion and number of steps. Put all of that information together and you're able to form a bigger picture of what's happening. And not just a big picture, but a more granular picture. As a physician, we only get to see snapshots of a patient's life between appointments. 
I'm obviously not with them all the time. So if I'm only seeing them one out of every 30 days, sometimes less, then I'm only seeing a tiny portion of their day-to-day -day life. I need to have more information in a lot of cases to help come up with an appropriate treatment regimen. For example, it's understood that we can correlate activity level and rest to how one is feeling. When your rest level goes down and you're not resting much and your activity level goes down a week later, your mood might dip. So what if you made a really focused effort to get better rest and exercise more? Then we can see if that can impact some of those dips in your mood from happening. I presented all the aspects of the Abilify MySet system to Carlos and he got it right away. It's worked well for him. The medication plus all of the objective and patient reported data helped us put together a complete treatment plan and evaluate it in an objective way. Viewing what the data is on the dashboard, we can look at it together and try and figure out what's working, what's not working, and what parts of the plan we need to tune up. When patients have their own information and see it with their own eyes, it takes on a whole new meaning. It's not just the doctor preaching from the lectern or the ivory tower of, you should do this. They may see the impact of all of these factors. What has Abilify My Sight been like for you, Carlos? And what would you say to someone interested in learning more about it for their treatment plan? In my view, when you record things, it brings them to life. It makes them real. When you don't have the ability to capture certain things, it leaves room for misremembering or recalling information inaccurately. In my experience, the Abilify MySight system provides impactful data. Using the system's tools offers my psychiatrist key information he needs to have a more productive, quality conversation with me. And I no longer stress about being the only source of that information. Is there any other important information you would like to share about Abilify MySight for our listeners, Dr. Chepke? One way Carlos put it that I thought was great was, I've used activity trackers to monitor my steps and rest, so it's cool that this system is actually FDA approved and part of my treatment plan. And that's exactly what I thought too. Only functions related to tracking drug ingestion have been evaluated or approved by FDA. It's something that is integrated, and it's easy enough that my patients get to see and understand it. I'll review it periodically in between appointments just to check in and see what's going on with each patient. But also, once they come in for their appointment, I'll take my computer screen and rotate it so that we're both looking at it at the same time and then we'll review it together. This way we're both on the same page. The line I like to use is, we're on the same team. And doesn't every team need a scoreboard to tell them what's going on? If I'm the coach of a team, then the coach can make decisions based off of what's going on during the game. If the team is down by three points at the end of the first quarter, or there are two minutes left in the fourth quarter and the score is tied, my decision of which play to go with as a coach might be different. How that translates here is the information that I get about Carlos's medication ingestion, his rest, and his activity levels might impact my recommendation on different approaches. Of course, the Abilify MySide system is not going to be right for everyone, so it's important to speak to your doctor about what treatments would work best for you. Thank you for sharing all that information about how the Abilify MySite system works. Dr. Chepke and Carlos, are there any other resources you would like to share with our audience if they are dealing with MDD and looking for support or for next steps but aren't sure where to turn right now? From my experience, when I'm in the middle of depressive episodes and nothing seems to work, I forget that I have resources and options available to me. I just have to seek them out. That's very simplistic, but I've been there. It's best to work with a provider to help find a treatment plan that best suits you and your goals. What works for someone else may not work for you. A lot of people with depression, or those who don't know they have depression, will explain it away as something else. Things like, I'm just tired because I'm working a lot and things will get better. They usually have different explanations for why they're not happy in their life. They don't necessarily recognize it. And in my opinion, that's due to the stigma that all mental illnesses have, including depression. Message number one would be, if something's not going right with your life, talk to somebody and ask for an expert opinion. 
whether that's from a psychiatrist, therapist, or your primary care provider. Just be open and honest about what you're feeling and get a second opinion if you need it. For people who haven't found the right medication in their treatment journey or they haven't found the right approach, don't give up. I'd also like to put out there that instead of calling 911, there is now the 988 emergency number, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is available for any psychiatric or mental health crisis. In all 50 states, you can talk to someone 24-7. You might be connected with a therapist or psychiatrist, or if you already have one, you might just want someone to talk to. Keep fighting. That's my main message. No matter what illness someone's dealing with, keep fighting because the world is a better place with you in it. Thank you both for sharing your personal experiences as well as your professional advice, Dr. Chepke. Now, I would love to hop into our self-care corner segment where we share a specific self-care practice that has been really helpful for you recently. I'll go first. My self-care lately has truly just been pursuing joy. I recently got engaged and it reminded me just how much leaning into joy helps, even if it feels impractical at times, which is not to say my engagement isn't practical, but speaks to how joy shows up in many different ways. Carlos, would you like to go next? Uh, What does self-care look like for you? For self-care... And to keep myself centered, something that I've learned is to be present. Being present in this respect is showing up for the things that you can control. For example, although I dread it every day, I exercise. I hate going to the gym. I hate going to see my trainer. But as soon as I'm exercising, I 100% feel better about where I am in my life. I feel better about where I am in my treatment plan. I have sharper focus and concentration, which helps me in all aspects of my life. Thank you, Carlos. And as someone who hates and loves exercise, I completely relate to that experience. (laughs) Dr. Chepke, what does your self-care look like? The most important thing that I would say is sleep. What I've said to every patient I've ever met is that sleep is the foundation of mental health. Without a good foundation, your whole house will crumble. And I try and practice what I preach. My body wakes me up early every morning, no matter what time I go to bed. So I try to do a really good job of setting a bedtime and sticking to it. I don't stay up late pulling all-nighters or things like that because I've recognized how important my sleep is. I really try to protect that. The other thing is that I've got four kids, and because I wear so many hats, I'm being pulled in many, many different directions at once. It's really easy to get caught up in this project or that one or answering patient portal messages and things like that, potentially to the detriment of my relationship with the kids. I try to set that time aside and be really proactive about it. At the beginning of COVID, I still went into the office every single day and did all my telepsychiatry there. But more recently, I've done a lot of it from home. That way, if someone cancels or if I have a half hour break, I'll go and play with the kids. That's just as good for me as it is for them. This really seems to speak to how self-care can look so different for different people. But at the end of the day, it's really just about showing up for yourself and what you value. At The Mighty, we love to ask, what made you feel mighty this week? It really is to speak to the things that make us feel good or proud. So I'll go first again. I feel mighty because I started jumping for opportunities lately that I previously would not have done for fear of rejection. I still have that fear, but knowing I have to, you know, do the thing in order to get where I want has really clicked lately and started to override some of those lies my brain tells me and about not feeling good enough to deserve it. So Carlos, uh, would you like to go next? What makes me mighty is my awareness and acknowledging my progress. I've learned that we can't always remember what our darkest days felt like, but we know how we feel today. And that's how I measure progress. It's definitely worth being proud of that progress as it really is affirming in so many ways. And seeing that must be so validating to something that internally can feel intangible. Dr. Chepke, what about you? Honestly, I would say that what makes me feel the most mighty is when I see my patients achieving their goals, like Carlos. 
When I saw him at the American Psychiatric Association conference, they flew him in and I got to interview him on stage for half an hour. Seeing him up there advocating for mental health and for people to get help by telling his story, that's some of the mightiest that I've ever felt. When someone says, thank you, you really helped me through some tough times and now I'm doing a lot better, that really makes an impact. So being able to be a service to others and helping them achieve their goals is what makes me feel mighty. I think that's a great message to sign off on because knowing your doctor really has your best interests at heart is something that, while we always hope it to be the case, hearing it makes that much more of a difference. Carlos, Dr. Chepke, thank you both so much for being here today and sharing just so much about your personal and professional experiences, as well as your working relationship. It's such a unique experience to be able to directly hear both sides of the story. Thanks for having us and stay mighty. Thank you and be mighty. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Mighty Podcast, and thank you to Otsuka America Pharmaceutical Inc. for sponsoring this episode. If you want to continue this conversation, head over to themighty.com or download The Mighty app to become part of our community. We'd love for you to follow us and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you're listening on The Mighty, give this page a heart. Join us on our next episode and stay mighty. Please stay tuned for some important safety information about the Abilify MySite system. Indications and important safety information. Abilify MySite, aripiprazole tablets with sensor, is a prescription medicine used in adults for the treatment of schizophrenia, treatment of bipolar 1 disorder 4, acute short-term manic or mixed episodes, and maintenance treatment, treatment of major depressive disorder, MDD, along with other antidepressant medicines. The Abilify MySite system is intended to track if you have taken your Abilify MySite. A delay in the detection of the Abilify MySite tablet may occur and sometimes detection might not happen at all. If this happens, do not repeat the dose. Do not use Abilify MySite for real-time or emergency monitoring. There is an increased risk of death in elderly patients with dementia-related psychosis with medicines like Abilify MySite. Abilify MySite is not approved to treat these patients. There is an increased risk of suicidal thoughts or actions in children and young adults taking antidepressants. The safety and effectiveness of Abilify MySite in children is unknown. Do not take Abilify MySite if you are allergic to aripiprazole or any of the ingredients in Abilify MySite. Abilify MySite may cause serious side effects including stroke or cerebrovascular problems in elderly people with dementia-related psychosis that can lead to death, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, NMS, a rare and serious condition that can lead to death. Call your healthcare provider or go to the nearest emergency room right away if you have some or all of the following symptoms of NMS. High fever, stiff muscles, confusion, sweating, changes in pulse, heart rate, and blood pressure. Uncontrolled body movements called tardive dyskinesia that you cannot control in your face, tongue, or other body parts. These body movements may become permanent. Problems with your metabolism can occur such as high blood sugar and diabetes. Extremely high blood sugar can lead to coma or death. If you have diabetes or risk factors for diabetes, such as being overweight or a family history of diabetes, your healthcare provider should check your blood sugar before you start receiving Abilify MySite and during your treatment. Call your healthcare provider if you have any of these symptoms of high blood sugar while receiving Abilify MySite. Feel very thirsty need to urinate more than usual, feel very hungry, feel weak or tired, feel sick to your stomach, feel confused, or your breath smells fruity, increased fat levels in your blood called cholesterol and triglycerides, and weight gain.
Unusual urges such as gambling, binge eating, or eating that you cannot control, or uncontrollable shopping and sexual urges. A decrease in blood pressure, where you feel lightheaded or faint when you rise too quickly from a sitting or lying position. Falls, low white blood cell count, seizures or convulsions. Problems controlling your body temperature so that you feel too warm. Do not become too hot or dehydrated during treatment with Abilify MySite. Difficulty swallowing. Abilify MySite may make you drowsy. Do not drive, operate heavy machinery, or do other dangerous activities until you know how Abilify MySite affects you. Before taking Abilify MySite, tell your healthcare provider if you have or had diabetes or high blood sugar in you or your family, have or had seizures or convulsions, have or had low or high blood pressure, have or had heart problems or stroke, have or had low white blood cell count, are pregnant or have plans to become pregnant, are breastfeeding or have plans to breastfeed, have or had any other medical conditions. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines that you take including prescription and over-the-counter medicines, vitamins, and herbal supplements. Do not start or stop any medicines while taking Abilify MySite without talking to your healthcare provider first. The most common side effects of Abilify MySite in adults include restlessness or need to move, dizziness, nausea, insomnia, shaking, anxiety, constipation, sedation. These are not all the possible side effects of Abilify MySite. Call your doctor for medical advice about side effects. You are encouraged to report side effects to Otska America Pharmaceutical Inc. at 1-800-438-9927 or FDA at 1-800-FDA-1088 or www.fda.gov medwatch. Please read full prescribing information, including boxed warning and medication guide, available at this presentation or at abilifymysite.com pi. For more information, visit www.abilifymysite.com or call 1-800-441-6763.